Hey internet, welcome back to Eat Shit and Dice. We're here with another episode. Today we're going to talk about rules gone wrong. That is the focus of today's episode. Uh, I'm your favorite host, Jared. I'm your favorite host, Johnny. <laughs> that is not a word. <laughs> it is now. favorite It is now. All right, Johnny. So last time we talked a little bit about our 10 by 10s and by a little bit, I mean for a whole hour. Right, we did. So I just want to, I know it's not on the rundown. I know I didn't put it on here, but I want to put just a very brief, have you played any games on your 10 by 10? I have not. Uh, I've brought a couple of them with me to play, but didn't get to play them. But I have gotten to play a few games not on my 10 by 10. Okay. Well, I've I've played a couple games on my 10 by 10 so far. What have you played? uh, Alien Frontiers, Flashpoint, Fire Rescue, and Camel Up. So making some progress. I've also played a bunch of games on my standard 10 by 10. But if you're interested in that, if you want to see that, since we didn't talk about it, you can go to our website, eatchitanddice.com, click on blogs, click on Jared, and it'll be there. But today we're going to talk about rules gone wrong. And when we say rules gone wrong, we mean all of those times you either didn't understand a rule in a game, played it completely wrong, misinterpreted it, or... In some occasions where you, you're like, this rule's stupid, and you house rule them. Yep, yep. So before we get to that, we're going to talk very, very briefly, very briefly about who we are, because we've had no introduction. People don't know who we are. If they listened to the first episode, they were like, okay, some nerds. Why do I care? So why don't we talk about that just for a minute? Very, very briefly. Very yes. briefly. And, and we will be adding some bios to the eatshitanddice.com site. Uh, for more information about yeah. us. In case you care about that kind of thing, you can read about it. So, my name is Jared. I've been playing designer-style board games for a long time. I've been playing Dungeons & Dragons for over 20 years, so I think they give me a little bit of cred. My it board also game, makes you a giant nerd. It, uh, yeah, well, I can't, can't disagree with that. My board game collection, according to Board Game Geek, is about 2,300, but I think it's actually closer to about 800. Not counting promos and expansions and stuff like that. Well, I'm John D. Uh, on Facebook, John D. Schmidt Soper. Some people, I think I'm Nerd Girl John D. On BGG and stuff. So I haven't been playing designer style board games for nearly as long. I'm probably more around the eight or ten year line. But in the time that I've been playing designer board games, I've been really lucky to be involved in the industry and I've gotten to work with several different companies at their booths and I've gotten to be friends with a lot of different board game designers so I've gotten a really fun look at the other side of the industry that not everybody uh, always gets to get involved in yeah I've also seen some of that um, whether it's helping you on your on, on publishing your game or just talking to other people during any of the trade day stuff at Gen Con or there's a few conventions that I go to that are smaller uh, origins. You can do a lot of elbow rubbing. I think they call it. Is that, is that a thing? Elbow rubbing? Elbow <laughs> greasing. I, I don't, don't think I that's don't the the right phrase. I'm but not sure what you're going Bumping elbows. There. You know, whenever you hobnob, hobnobbing. Right. Hobgoblins. <laughs> yeah, okay. Geekway to the West is another convention. And we're going to do a live episode from Geekway. We are. We are. And we're, that's coming up in May. That's in May. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so we'll look forward to that. We met in college. John D. was technically my boss at the newspaper that I worked at, the, the student-run newspaper. Technically my boss, but I don't think I ever did anything that she told me to do. I don't think no. she ever told me to do anything. Well, no, because I was the boss of everybody else, and they they had their little... You worked for one of the other page editors, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Entertainment. Yeah, I was, I was their boss. So I just did whatever I wanted to, which Pretty usually much. was photography or writing stories about hd tvs when that was coming out i very vaguely remember that i've slept since then Uh, at least once at least at least once so let's talk about rules gone wrong that was a that was my intro someone out there can gone wrong someone out there can auto-tune that that'd be great tweet it at us so there's a lot of (laughs) games out there that are commonly played wrong at first if you aren't being taught by somebody else i think uh pandemic pandemic is is a classic example of games that are played incorrectly um 
you can find a lot of people talking about it on Reddit and on Board Game Geek both. Yeah, I want to talk about specifically. I've got four examples here. I went to Reddit. I went to the board game subreddit and spent about a minute and a half looking. This one is called Pandemic Too Easy? Question mark. Hi all. I just bought the game. Blah blah blah. So here's what they're doing wrong. They were picking a single infection card after each turn instead of two or three or four, whatever the current infection rate was. And what's the correct way? Because I haven't played, and for anybody that might be listening that hasn't played Pandemic, give me a quick rundown of the game. Okay, so in Pandemic, you are a member of the CDC. Your job is to cure four diseases, or five if you're playing with that expansion, and save the world from these diseases. You lose by several different methods. Either you run out of disease cubes, the infection rate gets too high and you just die. Um, and then there's one or two other ways, but I'm not going to go into full detail here. What they were doing, instead of whatever the current infection rate is, it tells you how many cards you want to draw. You either want to draw two, three, four, five, whatever. Whatever your current infection rate was. So they were just ignoring that and drawing a single card. So that would have made the game way too easy. They also, interestingly enough, they were not starting the game with the Atlanta Research Station, which is where you start. So I'm not sure what they were doing there. And they also, I think they misinterpreted the infection rate because they were spreading the infection rate when an outbreak happened. So instead of when an outbreak happens, adding a disease cube to all adjacent attached cities, they were just picking a number. Um, And it says here, I did another game with the correct rules. We won anyway, but it was way more difficult. So that's an example of playing Pandemic wrong that makes it too easy or too hard. Have you ever you played, played it wrong? Um, you know, I don't think I did. I don't think I ever played it wrong. But I played that game. I think it came out in 2011 when I picked it up. I also like this one. I really, really like this one. We have played about 20 games of Pandemic. Still haven't won on Standard. Oh. Now, even though I haven't played the game, I... Have, I, know, I have enough friends that have, and I know that that shouldn't be a thing. 20 games seems like a little excessive to have still not won a game. Yeah, I love this. I have poured over the rules for a long time, convinced we were doing something wrong. But I don't think we are. <laughs> wow, so they just stink at playing games? No, what they were doing... So to win at Pandemic, you have to find a cure for all the diseases, not completely eradicate them off the board. They were playing the game. You have to completely wipe the board, which is impossible. It's, well, it's I impossible. would imagine just like in real life, you know, there's diseases out there that are pretty much gone, but they're not gone. gone. Yeah, like smallpox. Right. Smallpox is gone, but I mean, it still exists. Right. You could find smallpox and get smallpox, I guess. But we are usually about five to ten turns away from winning when we run out of cards. Because they were focusing on clearing the board rather than just finding the cures. And the final one that I'm going to talk about just realized I've been playing Pandemic extremely wrong. So I'm not 100% sure. The, the rule book's not poorly written. But the this guy, the last guy here, was doing outbreaks equal to the infection rate rather than just doing a cube each time the city came up. So if his infection rate was at four, he was immediately causing an outbreak. And his excuse was because his copy of the game is in French. (laughs) Well, that would be a problem, (laughs) especially if you don't speak French. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't do any research. I didn't research this user to find out if he was French. But I just thought that was really funny that he was like, all this is caused because the game is in French. Okay. Well, I, I'm looking at one where they say, what's the term for the moment when players forget a rule because it hinders them? That's called cheating. <laughs> uh, yeah, I see this. Uh, forgetting about not building adjacent in Catan. Yeah, that's just called cheating. Forgetting to move the clock in Elder Sign slash infection cards in Pandemic slash evil action in Shadows over Camelot. You know, that's a, that, that one is legitimately easy to forget. Which one? Shadows over Camelot? Well, the clock and Elder Sign. Oh, mm-hmm. I, can, I can see that being an easy one to forget. I really like this. 
What does this mean? Fantasy flight game, forgetting you are stunned or have another negative status condition. I, oh, maybe they're th- talking about uh, like Star Wars, like X-Wing maybe. Oh, like just in general, any fantasy flight game. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay, sure. But it's yeah, called cheating. I do like, I do like the, the top rated response in this thread is cheating. <laughs> That's the name of the. And you know what? I did not see that when I said it's called cheating. Just, well, you just know, want to say that. You know, recently we played a game where I guess we cheated. Well, we played a couple recently that I guess we cheated. Uh, specifically, London Dread. Yeah. Which, even basically cheating. And for the first half of the game, we're like, this game is way too easy. Why does everybody say it's hard? We still really enjoyed it because the the story-driven element of the game is really cool. So for people that haven't played London Dread yet, London Dread is, it's a cooperative game. It's set in Victorian England. And you as the player take on the role of investigators. You're trying to uncover plots the way, like on the way to confronting the full overarching plot towards the end. Um, it's really thematic. I think it's kind of gritty. Uh, it features a series of like events and storylines. So if you get through the first storyline successfully, then you move on to the next storyline and so on and so forth. So your games are all going to be kind of different, which it's not exactly a a um, legacy game, but you could p- kind of put it in that genre a little bit there in the, f- in the fact that you move through the story. So... We were playing probably the first half wrong. And so we were getting through these little these little plots that we were uncovering to get to the finale. We were like plowing through them and saying, okay, that's done, that's done, that's done. And one of our players picked up the rule book because I think it was bothering him. That yeah, it we was were so actually easy. we were actually doing two things wrong. We we were, we were. And one of our players picked up the rule book because I think it was really bothering him that the game was so easy. And then he's like, guys, 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 we're not doing this right. Yeah, we were we were doing two things wrong. We were doing the first thing we were doing wrong was we were miscounting the number of symbols each character brings to an encounter. Yes. And the second thing we were doing wrong is miscounting how many symbols in total you need to clear the encounter. Which we... We were hurting ourselves in one respect because we thought we could only bring like each character has different talents and those those talents are represented by symbols and those talents could be changed by different cards that you might have. And we thought that you could only bring one of those talents to any particular plot that you were trying to uncover. So we were, we made it harder on that Right. And it makes a lot more sense that you would be able to take whatever talents you have, because as an investigator, you're not going to go, well, I'm good at this, but I'm going to leave it out there and pretend like I'm not good at it. So it makes sense. I'm only good at typewriters, but only typewriters. But later I'll be good at. Right. So that made sense. Goat Uh, skulls. I don't remember what any of the symbols were. But then we were we were cheating, basically, and helping ourselves. We didn't know that we were cheating, but we totally were in the fact that there are a certain number of of each of these symbols that you have to reach. And we were just like, we oh, just thought, we, oh, we've got, we, we have, have this two one guys symbol. that have the two symbols. We have this, we've yeah. got it. So, but you would have to like reach five tech. I want, and we'd be like, oh, we have one tech symbol. We're good. Yeah, we so did. we were totally cheating for the first half of the game. And when we started playing it right, I'm pretty sure, cause it helps you as you work through these plots, you get to, it helps determine how many dice you have to solve the final the finale to, to get to beat the finale. And we had a lot of dice at the end and I'm pretty sure had we played the game right, we would not have had, and the dread level would have been a lot higher. Yeah. So, the, so there's a dread level in the game and the higher the dread level, the harder that finale is going to be. Our dread level should have been a lot higher. Yeah. The, the, that level should have been higher. And also we should have probably had less dice. Yes. So I'm not entirely sure that we would have been successful on our first story, but we're moving on to story number two anyway, and it's on my 10 by 10. Yeah, you can't stop us. Right. And it's on my 10 by 10, so we're going to be playing it several more times. And fortunately, playing it wrong didn't make us dislike the game, because that can happen. That can happen, and that did happen. Space it did. movers. Space movers. <laughs> so I have a habit of buying... There are some themes of games that I will buy 
knowing pretty much yeah, nothing so, about sight games. unseen yes food games food games and space, space games. games are pretty much i will buy them as long as they don't look like complete crap on the outside i'm like hey that's a space game or hey that's a food game i want it so i bought space movers knowing absolutely nothing about it other than the fact that the art on the front was super fun it represented kind of a you know a fun version of all the different space shows and yeah movies. the the ship on the cover kind of looks like the ship from Battlestar Galactica and the main character kind of looks like Captain Mal kind of yeah I, and I like that so we I had the game for a while and we we brought it to oh, our gaming the, group the bad guy ship 100% looks like a Romulan ship though it totally like does. it's not even like a parody version it's just a straight up Romulan it pretty ship. much it pretty much it's a Romulan <laughs> Romulan ship that's a slight different color yeah it's a slightly different color green right right but uh so basically, if you haven't played or seen Space Movers, it's also a cooperative game. It's a sci-fi adventure. It's set in the year twenty two oh one. Is it twenty? Is it? Yeah, you're, yeah, it's something. I, I put twenty two oh one. I put twenty twenty one, but I don't think that's right. No, it's twenty two oh one. You play the role of one of the crew members on board of a, a spaceship, and your job as a mover is to jump from planet to planet in the system, picking up and delivering cargo. So. When you set up the entire game, one of the things that you do, and I remember during the setup, I was like, well, this doesn't seem to make any sense. You put five cards in the discard pile the, from the top of your draw deck, uh, from the top of the game's draw deck. And at the time, I remember thinking, why would you already put cards in why, the discard why, why pile? Why do we need to discard these? I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Well, it did make sense after I noticed that all of the cards that we had started with said, take a card out of the discard pile. Because at the beginning of the game, we couldn't get any resources. Your, your whole job is to go to a planet, pick up cargo, deliver it to another planet. And we couldn't do it. We had no cargo. And I was like, Jondi, look at the card that you have. Read this card that says, get a cargo card out of the discard pile. Well, what's funny is I had read that card a few times. We were pretty much, God, we are three quarters away through the game and we we're about to lose when he points this out. John and was just... He was done with it. Yeah, he was. Done. He was like, "I'm, I'm done." Like as soon as I read that, he got up and he just he, he left. Was done. Well, I had read it several times, but I kept thinking, "Well, we haven't been discarded. We we have discarding cards, so so I can't, I can't." Draw. It did not even occur to me that there were those five cards that went into the discard pile during setup. I really like the mechanic of that game, though. It's sort of a dexterity game. It's sort of a dice game. It's sort of pick I up do and deliver, too. And, which is why. Um, we definitely are going to have to play it again. We're going to try it again. Um, we just can't do it with John because I think he's I, forever I don't think checked he out on the game. I don't think he would ever play it again. I don't think so either. I don't think he would for like, even if I offered him money. No. I think he'd be no. like, nope, I'm out. No. I notice here you've written on our rundown, you've written Spartacus. Now, I bought that game, but I've never played it. Okay, so. T t tell me about the rule book. In my opinion, it is one of the worst written rule books I have ever, ever come across in ever <laughs> that's very specific it, it was a very bad rule book and i will say i we played this i played it with some people that aren't as prolific ga board gamers as myself so that probably factored into it as well they bought the game i don't have it they bought it because it was spartacus at gen con the year it came out and they didn't get to play the game at Gen Con, so none of us knew anything about this game, and the rules were confusing. And it could have been, I don't know, I don't remember if we were drinking, and we might have been, and which could have factored into it. But this was, you know, several years ago. I've slept a lot since then. Once or twice. Right. But our experience playing it because of that was so bad that I see it has a really high rating on Board Game Geek. So it's probably a pretty good game. Who published that? Gale Force 9? Yes. Uh, they usually put out really good licensed games. Right. I mean, Firefly is yeah. really good. The, the, the Star Trek Ascendancy is great. Yeah. yeah, that game is really good. It's fantastic. So I admit... Here's hoping we get those expansions soon. Oh, I know. But I admit that Spartacus is probably a much better game than I give it credit for. But we played it so wrong that I just flat out had a horror the only things that i enjoyed about that game were some of the names of the cards they were ridiculous um and since this is a family-friendly show i'm not going to say what they were but i <laughs> enjoyed you. those 
Uh, but it's got a 7.5 on BGG. Oh, that's so really good. It's a really good rating, and I admit that I had a bad experience, so I probably won't ever go back to it. But I'm probably missing out on a good game, and that happens. If you play games wrong, you can really miss out on how good a game can be. Do you want to hear something that's the exact opposite of what you just said? Yes. Playing Monopoly wrong. It happens. It's... I did not, It, but it makes it better. Well, marginally. So... I cannot remember a time that I played Monopoly with people back when people used to actually be actually able to force play me. Monopoly? Um, auctioning off property. That That is a strategy that I tried to, so many times. I tried and people were like, you can't do that. You can't do that. I wasn't aware that auctioning was a thing. Yeah, so when you land on a property in Monopoly, mm-hmm. you have the option. Do you want to buy it or do you want to let it to go to auction? You can buy it. You can just flat out buy it. Or you can be like, no, I don't want to buy it. Let it go to auction and then buy it for $20 instead of $200. Just like in real life. But when would it go to auction? If you land on it, it must be purchased. Whether you purchase it or someone else purchases it. Oh. If you land on that property and say, I don't want that property. I don't want Baltic Avenue. It goes to auction and someone can buy it. Oh. Also, free parking, not a thing. I Yes, free parking is not a thing. And also... I was always taught that you have to go around the board once before you can buy any property. And that is also not a thing. Yeah. yeah, it's not a thing. And apparently I also recently learned, and this does not make me want to play Monopoly still. I, I still just don't enjoy Monopoly. But I was also always taught that when you're in jail, if somebody lands on your property, you can't collect rent. Not true. Yeah, you can. You totally can. Yeah. So if you do like Monopoly. Which... You can continue playing it all those ways and call them house rules, or you can play it the right way. Um, the only way that I will want to play Monopoly ever again is if I am allowed to hoard all of the houses by building exactly three houses on all of my properties, never upgrading to a hotel, <laughs> and you can't, you can't force me to upgrade my property, and then there will be no houses. Houses in Monopoly are a limited resource. Once they're gone... No one else can do anything until you upgrade to a hotel and give those houses back. Well, did you know that Clue is often played wrong? Um, yeah, because a lot of people think that when you want to make an accusation, you have to be in the same room. Well, you do have to be in the same room when you make a, when you make a suggestion. When you make a suggestion, but not the actual, like, make, I'm yeah, going to solve the case. Right, when you make your game-ending accusation. Yeah, when you open the envelope. Um, it can be made at any point. Yeah. It doesn't have to be made. As soon as you figure it out, you can be like, I got it. Right. I got it. I and figured it out. It, it In all the games I've ever played, it becomes kind of this mad rush at the end where everybody's trying to get to that room because everybody knows. And No, you just, wherever you are, you just say, say, hello, I'm here to solve the case. Yeah. Yeah. So It was Mr. Plum in the observatory. Is that a place? In that Plum? is the observatory with, <laughs> with the candlestick. <laughs> the last time I played Clue, it was Dungeons and Dragons Clue. I... I can't even remember the last time I played Clue, but I play Mysterium a lot, which I call the adult, the grown-up Clue. Um, I like to refer to Mysterium as Dixit, but with a game. See, I've never like, played Dixit. I like so... Dixit, but Mysterium adds a game to Dixit. Okay. Well, I asked uh, on our Twitter not too long ago it, about other people that might have been playing games wrong. Wanted to hear what other people are doing and from one of our followers euro gamer girl said that the first time they played love letter they just discarded into one stack they didn't realize that they were supposed to keep the um keep everything spread out in front of them okay so it's been a while since i've played love letter um that would make it more hard to like count cards but it would it would uh we also had i haven't played the game of thrones board game but we had uh zach M-H-G-G said that for five... You might be pronouncing that wrong. (laughs) For five games of the Game of Thrones board game, he said that they would resolve all orders of first player at once and then second and et cetera. And he said it made the game very, very different than how it's supposed to play. That reminds me of the time that I played... There's a Queen Queen Games game called Dark, Darker, Darkest. And it's... uh, 
Okay, so I haven't fully ever played the game correctly. So this is my opinion on the game being played incorrectly. So it's probably wrong or it might be right. I don't know. But the game is terrible because the way I was playing it... So the game takes place in this mansion and you're supposed to get the cure for the zombie disease, but the house is on fire. And apparently the rules for fire, for how fire spreads, are very different from the way that we played it. The way we played it, the house just basically burnt down immediately and you died. (laughs) So it did not go well for you. I'm led to believe that that's not how the game is meant to be played. The fire doesn't just get a turn every... Like, I take a turn, and then the fire takes a turn, and then, like, the fire takes, you know, half of the map away before your turn comes up. Oh, I think we did that wrong, but I'd have to play it again with the correct rules to really know So is that one where playing it wrong made you not want to play it ever again? Yeah, basically. Yeah. It happens. We also had somebody else. I'm not sure what game they're referring to. They said they're embarrassed. Uh, it was Eric Board Games said that he's embarrassed to admit he didn't know Vertrags are points. Are you? Do you know what game he's talking about? Yes. Uh, it the German version of like Dream Job or what's what's it called? Well, dream Factory. Just... The German version of Dream Factory. Oh, okay, okay. It's got a. It. And he see he he said that he's got a hashtag greatest game. So I'm thinking he really likes the game, but... Oh, it's a Reiner Kitsia game. So it's probably pretty good. It's got a 7.1 on BGG. Yeah, that's pretty good, yeah. But I've never, honestly, never heard of it. Um, it's an auction-style game about producing movies. Oh, apparently. interesting. Well, I mean, the, the English version that I'm looking at here. Uh, it says, see comparison, movie comparison. Okay, I guess it is about that, but the German version has different movies. Oh, yeah, there's a whole article here on Board Game Geek about it. Um, but I've never heard of this game. I'll be 100% honest. I haven't either. But now I'm intrigued. So I would love to hear from some of the people that might be listening to this, some of you. What kind of games have you played wrong? What did you play wrong? Do you think it made the game better or worse? Yeah, just tweet at us at Eat Chit and Dice. Or you can go to our Facebook. There's also Eat Chit and Dice on Facebook. Uh, we're also on Instagram. And we have a website, but you can't really tweet at us on our website. No, no. (laughs) But you know what you can do on our website? You can listen to our podcast. You can. And you can also look at this week's recipe. Yes. So when you play these games incorrectly, (laughs) or hopefully correctly, uh, when you have a bunch of people over for board game night, I think it's really important to have food. Everybody likes to eat. You usually get together for board gaming, either starting around lunchtime or starting around dinner time. So I think it's, I think a really good food to serve is chili because people aren't eating it with their fingers. So they're not going to get stuff all over your game. And a pot of chili can feed a lot of people. Eight to eight to 10. Well, I mean, it depends or, on how many. Or one me. Yeah, that's true. But I, I started making several years ago pumpkin chili, which... I know at first thought sounds a little weird. Yeah, uh, honestly, whenever you sent me the recipe to post on the website, I was like, pumpkin chili? What? What is this? I know, I know. And when I first heard about it, I thought it sounded weird, but it's actually really good. Why it's... would you want? The... What is this? Is this just chili with pumpkins in it? Well, I mean, it, it is. It's basically chili, but you replace some of some of the some of the meat and such that you would put in it, and you get your consistency for the chili out of the, using the pumpkin instead of other things. And I mean, it has a little bit of a sweeter taste to it than maybe a more savory traditional chili. But everybody I've ever made it for really enjoyed it. So it's got pumpkin pie spice and sugar, but it also has has all the normal chili bits and things in it. So if you would like to try pumpkin chili, you know, next time you have a bunch of friends over, we've got the recipe listed right underneath where you can listen to our podcast, either on our website or any of the other locations you might be listening to it we have the link to our recipe and this is my recipe that i've developed over the years and i did not make it right the first time gave it another chance so um hopefully you will try it and love it and send us pictures at either twitter or instagram or facebook i'd love to see if you make the chili and we'll include it on our website yeah we have a there's a gallery for the recipes and we'll just add your photo because why not so hopefully you'll try it. It's really good. I, I really, I've never made it for anybody that didn't enjoy it. Except for maybe somebody that doesn't like chili anyway. Well. 
I mean, we can't help those people. No, they're just sad. sad <laughs> we can't people. do anything for them. I know they're just sad people. Speaking of sad, do you want to know something? Sure. Other than the guy that like runs BGG, you have backed more Kickstarters than anybody else, probably ever. I don't know if that's sad. Well, you have a problem, sir. So I'm looking at the people I follow. I follow. Right. I follow 83 people. That's on... more than the the zero. That, uh, no, I follow like two. So yeah, I follow 83 people on Kickstarter, and most of them are in the under a hundred backed sure area. Sure. I have a few friends that are between a hundred and two hundred, and then it jumps from two hundred and four backed right to Jared K. Yep. Who has backed 758 Allegedly. Kickstarters. So, and I don't know if that number includes failed Kickstarters or if that's just 758 Kickstarters that were successful, in which case your number is probably a lot higher. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if that includes the failed and canceled ones. Um, but to be fair, in my defense, that includes some that I've only backed at a dollar. Which is fair. So it's not all just $200, $300 games. I did have to turn off Kickstarter notifications for Jared specifically. Because I was getting so many. Yeah, don't follow me on Kickstarter. Actually, I suggest following him. Just turn off the notifications. (laughs) Because, and we'll put a link to Jared's Kickstarter on our site. Oh boy, I can't wait. Because if you enjoy board games and you like backing board games on Kickstarter, Jared's a really great person to follow to get ideas of what's going on. You know, it's not like there's a lot of sites. I mean, there are some sites that'll tell you, oh, these have launched, but they don't. You know, they'll, they'll just tell you everything in, the, in that category that's right, launched. Right. Jared doesn't back everything. Oh, no. No, no, no. No, not and everything. I like to... For example, I don't back Cool Mini or Not games anymore because I just don't feel like chasing down expansions and exclusives that I miss. Right. So, the, I mean, I haven't backed one of their games in a while. And they still owe me some stuff. That might be my fault. But, to be fair... But it's not like now, overall, I don't know. I, th- I, I don't know what their business is, but I don't think they need Kickstarter anymore. I think they're I think they're using Kickstarter to gauge interest more. I think a lot of companies fundraising. do that now. Uh, I think a lot of companies use it either as as their marketing or as their pre-ordering or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Jackson's doing that right now with uh, Shakespeare Munchkin. Right. They're they're like specifically in the newsletter that they sent out. They're using it to gauge interest as a pre-order system. Well, and it's 363% funded with 27 days to go. So I yeah. think there was interest. I think, they, uh, <laughs> I think they're, they're doing okay. Yes. Uh, now, I did back that. Yeah, you did. I And I like to follow what, what you're backing. I'm certainly not going to back everything you back. But I like to take a look at what you've got going on your Kickstarter. And there's no reason, honestly, for you specifically to back everything that I back because you're one of the people that I play games with. And if I own the game, you don't necessarily need to own it as well. Right. So, I mean, there's some that we've both backed, but each week we're going to talk about some of the things that Jared's backed recently, either something that's getting ready to ship or something that he's really excited about because basically I'm just going to give you recommendations and tell you what to throw your money at. Right. Cause clearly Jared is a Kickstarter expert or a Kickstarter (laughs) board game. I thought you were going to say addict. Well, you are that as well, but you know he keeps he keeps a lot of these board game companies going. Yeah, well, so he's got he's got. There was a Kickstarter that I backed that I was the only backer for. It was for a local band. It wasn't like, hey, I'm making a board game. Please give me money. Well, and there's one that you're really excited about. That by the time we post this episode, oh, it'll you'll already, already be have yeah, it. Yeah. But tell me a little bit about that one. So. Mayday Games, in 2011, ran a Kickstarter for Crokinole, which is a Canadian dexterity game. The Amish love it. Uh, I don't think I have to worry about offending Amish people here. They're not probably not listening to the podcast, but... Maybe some of the teenagers. Maybe. Maybe if they're on Rome Springer. Um, but, so, it is... It's a dexterity game, kind of like Shuffleboard. It takes place on a round... A big round... I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's a big round, big round piece of wood thing. Yeah. With <laughs> but like a... it's got some pegs on a hole. Um, you, you flick discs. Up. Yeah. Actually, we'll put a link. We'll, we'll put a, yeah, we'll put a link to the BGG entry. Um, but 
recently they ran a Kickstarter for a new version. And I, I have the I old version. It. Yeah, you have the old one with the Star Trek clock. I do. I have a, which the Star Trek clock is not theirs. It is is not part. They do have a clock a that you can per- purchase from them that you can mount on just on the pegs. Yeah, it plugs it's into foam, the, the so pegs. it doesn't scratch up your board or anything. And I have that, but it was a very just a generic clock. So I actually mounted a wooden Star Trek clock, a very light wooden Star Trek clock on that f- clock. So yeah, my crokinole board is hanging on my wall with a Star Trek clock on it. I did not get a clock accessory. I didn't get any accessories. Uh, I probably will pick up some extra discs at some point. Probably not their discs. Um, there's nothing wrong with them. Um, I just prefer... There's another company's that I prefer who's not a sponsor, so I won't mention them. But they're... It's just a preference thing. There's nothing wrong with the Mayday Games Crokinole discs, or Crokes, as they're called. Um, but by the time this episode goes live, it will have already been delivered. So that's fantastic. We're going to we're gonna play it. Definitely. Um, we'll probably have it at International Tabletop yeah, Day. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring... Yeah, we'll bring them to Tabletop yeah, Day. I'll There's a couple board. other people in town that also backed it, too, that I know of. Uh, maybe more. So maybe I'll talk to them and they'll be like, hey, let's run a Crokinole tournament. Right. So you obviously can't back this Kickstarter because it's over. It's over. Fulfillment has begun. But I imagine they will have them available on their website, MaydayGames.com. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know how many extra they've made. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure, but you can check that. Uh, obviously they're not a sponsor, but not a sponsor. They, they do a lot of Kickstarters and for, for the most part, I've enjoyed all the games of theirs that I've played. They have one right now, right? Yes, they do. They have a Kickstarter live right now, which I've been watching and I probably will back. Not a sponsor. Yes. Not a sponsor. (laughs) We just have to keep saying (laughs) that. Just so everybody knows we're not, we're not plugging this. We don't get any money. We're just talking about it. Correct. We're talking about it because we're excited about it, and it's something to talk about. Um, it's called Macroscope uh-huh. Intense Image Deduction Party Game. Oh, so okay. it's a party game. Yeah. Uh, you roll the dice to determine which windows you can open on the macroscope, revealing more of the picture, and you're supposed to be trying to figure out what the picture is. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, we'll put a link to that in the episode notes. We will. It's got um, 16 days to go as of today. Not so, a sponsor, um, but it, we'll, put you, we'll put you a little link there down there. It'll have about it'll have around ten or eleven days to go when we when this episode goes up, and it's already a hundred percent funded. So if you back it, you'll get it. You'll get it. Cool. So let me talk about corrections and retractions here for a minute. After the last episode went live, we had some people tell us that we are wrong. Mostly me. Takenoko is not about Chinese people taking care of a panda for the Chinese emperor. It's about gifting a panda. To the Japanese emperor? Oh, God. Yes. Did I still get that wrong? From the, from the, the Chinese from China. emperor has gifted a panda bear. Oh, not a bear. It's not a bear. not a bear. Has gifted a panda to the Chinese, to the, good grief, to the Japanese emperor. Okay. Well, one you, more time. What is it? The Takenoko. Takenoko is about a Chinese emperor that has given a panda to the Japanese emperor. You as a player are tasked with caring for this panda bear. For the Japanese emperor. For the Japanese emperor Got in it. the bamboo garden. Okay. Got it. The next one, uh, Ninja Turtles. Someone who is even more pedantic about this than me let me know that the Donatello issue was not issue number 47 or whatever number I said. It was 44. So for anybody that cares, there's that there's that correction. Um, this one this one's not a correction or a retraction. It's just an update. The the cosmic peep. As I wrote here. The Cosmic Peep. So we were talking about Cosmic Encounters because it's on your 10 by 10. Yep. And I said that I really enjoy the game because there's so many different alien races. Yeah, over 200, maybe even over 300 now. And so it makes it a different game every time you play. Yeah. And I said that I came across a race in there. I didn't get to play it, but I really wanted to. I I knew nothing about the race whatsoever other than the fact that they look like peeps. Yeah. They seriously look like peeps, and I want to play. A little marshmallow. Yes, they're called Horde. I still don't know what they do. Um, they have the power to spawn. So I, I but I want to play them. They might be the worst race to play. I don't care because they look like evil peeps with tentacles. Um, you gain tokens that act as ships, which is awesome. So you just... so I next time we play, I'm calling it. I want to be the peeps. Okay. Um, do you want to talk about this next, this one that is a correction? 
Oh, yes. So we were... this was you. <laughs> no, it was you. It was both actually. of us, actually. So but... we were talking about the designers of London Dread. And, of course, I was talking about how gorgeous Asger is. He is a very beautiful man. And we talked about how Asger and Snor... Snor? Snor? No, it's an O with a line snar? through it. Snar. Snar. Snar? So we probably still got that wrong. Probably. We apologize for butchering your name. But we said that we thought they were Welsh and we were incorrect. They are Danish. They are from Dane. <laughs> they're no, from, they're I'm, not from Dane. I'm not a stupid American, really, I promise. No, they're from Denmark. So, and they're both, they're both good looking guys. They're both super nice. But Asger is like a Asgardian god man. Sure. He, he, so anyway. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And also, since last week, we talked about, you know, you had mentioned code names. Yeah, code names. And I had never played it. And now I'm really like, how did I never play this game? Yeah, you've played it a couple times I've now. played it. And I loved it. I'm going to buy it. And one of our listeners bought it because I, she follows me on Instagram as well. So she saw that I had played it and I said that I loved it. She bought it because she trusts mine and Jared's judgment. Well, I wouldn't say that because I also recommended her Doomtown and she hated it. Well, so she now trusts, she doesn't listen to me. She trusts my judgment. But maybe I, I told her earlier today that we were going to talk about her on the podcast. So I hope that she's just really, really loving this. So, yeah, she she bought code names, and I hope she loves it as much as I did. Uh, I'm excited. I'm going to be sharing it with my in-laws and they'll probably kick my butt, but it'll be super fun. Yeah, it's a really good game. And I want to talk about it more on the next episode where we're also going to talk about Munchkin. Ooh, it's a secret. What's it about? It's yes. about party games. Yeah, we're going to talk about party games and uh, games that we don't ever want to play again yeah. on our next episode. And also around the time that our next episode will go up. So around live. the time you that we're going to say live. <laughs> around the time that this our... is this is recorded live, but it's not broadcast live. Right. So around the time that our third episode is live for you to listen to. I'm going to be headed to SaltCon in Salt Lake City, Utah. SaltCon? What's that? It is a gaming convention in... It's, a, it's actually in Layton, Utah, which is basically Salt Lake City. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that where Mayday Games is located? It is. That's convenient. Do they have anything to do with that convention? They are a sponsor of the convention. Not of us, though. Not of the podcast. No, not of the podcast. But the, no, Mayday Games is a sponsor, so is... Uh... Of the convention. Of the convention, yes. This is like an ongoing joke that we say everything's not a sponsor. Everything's not a sponsor. But you're, speaking of not a sponsor, you, you are going to be working at their booth at the convention, right? No. No? No, I will be working at the Daft Concepts booth. Okay. Which we mentioned them We've in talked our about first them. episode. Yep. Yeah. They are also not a sponsor. No. But we do know one of the guys that's in like in charge of that or works there. Well, he, or... he does a lot of their, their a lot of the laser cutting work and yeah. a lot of the design work Cool. Uh, that goes into their products. Do you want to uh, talk about the Golden Geek Awards here? We're running out of time. Yeah, so yeah. Just briefly. real quick, I did uh, do my votes for the Golden Geek Awards recently. Those are if you if you have an account on Board Game Geek, which if you're listening to this and you don't, go go start go make one now. We we shamed you on the first episode, so we're gonna shame you again. Don't stop listening to the podcast, but as it's continuing, go register an account. Yes. Go to boardgamegeek.com and register. So nominations are open right now. The Golden Geek Awards are awards that are given out for board games, RPGs, podcasts, video games. And this is this is sort of a big deal. I, I, there's a lot of games in my collection that have like a seal where it's like G Golden Geek Award winner. Well, because they're they're completely they all get voted on by by the people by the fans by the yeah. people who are playing the games, and I think. To the people, I would think to the people that publish games, it's pretty important to them to know, hey, I won this award because someone played my game and loved it enough to, to give nominate me this award. it and then vote for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So you can you can nominate as long as you have an account there. The for in the board game area, you can nominate for board game of the year. I think it has to be. I don't think you can just register an account and then immediately vote. I think it had to have been made. I don't know. I don't know the rules. I don't know. I, but this is the 11th annual Golden Geek. So if you're a new account holder, you may not be able to vote. So Possibly just, not. I'm not sure. We'll put an asterisk next to that. But uh, you can vote for, you can nominate Board Game of the Year, Best Strategy Game, Thematic Game, Family Game, War Game, Two-Player Game, Party Game, Card Game, 
Best artwork or presentation. Best expansion. Best print and play. Which if you don't know what print plays are, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's games that aren't necessarily published. You can get the file, print them yourself, and play them. That's how I wrecked my car. Yeah. You talked about that in the first episode. I did talk about that in the first episode. Uh, Best solo game. Most innovative game. Best podcast, which maybe next year. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe next year. If we're still doing this. Best board game app or video game. And best cooperative game, which is a new category this year. Oh, I do like cooperative games. Now, now did you say best dexterity game? Uh, I don't think you did. I did. That is not on the list. That should be on the list. I do love me some dexterity games. Yeah. Dexterity but games and co-ops. Most dexterity games, I think you could put into the family game. Oh, yeah. that You're category. probably right. Yeah. So... Now, now, is this a closed ballot system, or can can I ask you some of the things that you voted for? I don't mind saying some of the things. We've and got right a little now, bit of just, time it's left. It's just so. nominations right now. Uh, in the artwork and presentation, I nominated three things. I nominated Burger Up, mm-hmm. because I really liked the artwork in the game. Yeah. I nominated Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, because I think that that is one of the best organized games from the minute you open the box. Yes, I do like the insert. And it's the, fantastic. Like the little tuck boxes and I mean, everything. You literally, it's it's done so well that you literally can open the game, not know how to play, and be playing in like five minutes. It's fantastic. It's not a legacy style game, but it kind of presents itself that way. It does. Uh, and I also nominated London Dread in that category. I I nominated London Dread in three different categories. Oh. I nominated them also for board game of the year. Oh, cool, cool. Because I really think it's it's enough different that you know it's a little bit of something new and you don't get a lot of that in board games yeah yeah anytime you can take the mechanics and arrange them in a fresh way and i feel like they did that and so so yeah i i think it should have board game of the year and i also nominated it for uh in the cooperative game well i have no opinion on board game of the year um there's a lot of games there's a lot of games that have come out in the past year and i'm not going to try to pick one to be my favorite Right. Um, In the card game area, I've nominated Burger Up Mm -hmm. again because it's a card game. And also Legendary Encounters, the Firefly version. Oh, sure, sure. Which I felt like the artwork wasn't great in it, but it really captured the feel of the show. And, you know, you get to kind of immerse yourself into being part of the crew. And I really enjoyed that about the game. So I did nominate it for, for best card game. I've got a few in the family game. Yeah. Uh, Ice Cool, which mm-hmm. is a, de- it's a dexterity, dexterity game. game. Yeah, so it's a penguin flicking game. It is. I <laughs> also gotta make them curve around corners and stuff. I know it's 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 super cool. Uh, my first Stone Age. Oh yeah, yeah. I bought that for my nephew who absolutely loves board games, and he sat down and fi- he 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 and my my husband figured that one out, and then he turned around and taught it to his brother. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, he loved it. I do like Stone Age. I think it's a really good game. And and my first Stone Age is it's just really, really well done. And then also in that category, I have the the Oregon Trail card game. Oh boy! Because now have you have you actually played that? I have. And I you have, liked it? I did. <laughs> but I never play. I, I guess I, there's just no accounting for taste in I some people, not. huh? I thought it was fun. It felt like just like you're playing the computer game. But I also have Thief's Market in there. Oh, yeah. That's a from, much... From uh, Tasty Minstrel. That's a much better game than the Oregon Trail. <laughs> Oregon Trail. Yeah. You can make fun of me. In Party Game, I have Codenames Pictures. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Secret Hitler. Okay. Okay. So, and then the only other things that That's, I have... Now, is that on your 10 by 10 I can't remember. Secret Hitler is. Secret Hitler, yes. yeah. I believe so. I think I put it on there. It's on one of my 10 by 10s I think it's on my... It's either on my Party Game 10 by 10 or my standard... Yeah. Uh, under strategy games, I've got uh, Scythe. Oh, yeah. I've got Mare Nostrum. Okay. And uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shadows of the Past. That game is really fun. We've it's, talked about that it's before. It's great. Go back and listen to the first episode if you want our opinions on that. But spoilers, it's really good. It is. If you don't have it, it's worth getting. And then I nominated a few in the best podcast category. Oh, well, we don't need to. we don't need to talk about those. <laughs> I also nominated Lanterns the Harvest Festival for Best Board Game App. Oh yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the app's really good. The app is great. It it the, the the music is just it's it's just background enough that it's not intrusive. It's it really adds to the game. 
you can play it with just random people or you yeah. can just play it as a pass and play or play it by yourself and it's it's beautiful and i actually played that before i actually had played the i had the game but i had never gotten it to the table and i played that and then i was like i have to play the actual one did the app teach you the correct rules to the game it did so i played the game correctly yeah so that's one good thing i could say about board game apps yeah so except for the carcassonne app because the carcassonne app i still I still don't know how to play Carcassonne, and I have played. I've played Carcassonne a lot, and I, I'm every time I'm like, I don't think I'm counting these points correctly. Right. So, so think. yeah, that's that's pretty much my lineup. I've got I've got a few things in uh, thematic game, but other than Star Star Trek Panic, they're all things I've also nominated in other areas. All right, that's awesome. So. Well, good luck to all those games. I uh, hope you all win. I guess you can't all win. Someone has to be the winner, and someone has to get second well, place. But I really hope London Dread gets. At least one of them. Yeah. Uh, they're, they really, those guys really deserve it. I do like that game. I want to play it a couple more and times. And I really hope Secret Hitler wins in the party games, and we'll talk more oh, about that Oh, it probably next week. will. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Cards Against Humanity, Munchkin, Codenames, all those party games, and and more. <laughs> yep. Party games and not-so-party games. Super, Super fight. fight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to put a link to where you can add your own nominations uh, for the Golden Geek Awards. We'll just drop that in the episode notes, so it'll be down there below. Um, well, that'll wrap it up for this episode. Uh, I do want to mention our social media pages. We have a Twitter, we have an Instagram, and those are both uh, at Eat, Chit, and Dice. We also have a website, eatchitanddice.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, so you can like our page, follow us, tweet at us. And it's Eat, Chit, C-H-I-T. Yes, E-A-T-C-H-I-T-A-N-D-D-I-C-E dot com. Or not dot com. Or not dot com, depending on how, how, you're, how you're looking at it. So connect with us on social media. Let us know if you make that chili. Let us know what games you've played wrong. And tell us about your favorite party games. Um, make sure it would... Oh, gosh, you guys. It would be so great. It would be my absolute favorite thing. If you would subscribe to our podcast, you can do that soon on itunes stitcher uh podcast addict whatever your other favorite podcast websites are and if i don't know them basically if i didn't say those three then you should tweet at us and tell us what the good ones are and we'll put them on there so until next time until next time keep keep playing games keep playing games (laughs) and eating food Eat Chit and Dice is a production of Swin Media and is distributed under a Creative Commons license. Attribution, non-commercial, share alike, 4.0 international.